0: at what I found. A ruler, a yardstick, right? What do you think I can do with this? Measure things, right? Well, that would be the normal response would be to measure things, but I have an idea. You guys tell me what you think, all right? I believe that I can take this ruler, this yardstick, and I can plant it in this tree. Now, I have a goal. I want... A tree to grow from it you know I plan on if, it's, if it stirs I plan on watering it and you know giving it all kinds of things um, what kind of tree do you think is going to grow from it yeah a lemon tree okay that would be nice I could use some lemons yes nothing, nothing why not, because that is not a seed or a tree. it's not a seed or a tree I have to measure stuff with it rather than planting it? Really? Oh. I can't plant. I can't? I am so glad you guys are smarter than me. <laughs> You're right. I can't plant anything with it, right? i so glad of that. You know, today we're, we hear from Jesus and how a branch grows from a vine and it bears fruit. But there is a trick, right? In order for it to bear fruit, it must remain on the vine. Okay. Now, what happens when a branch isn't attached to a tree or a vine? Yeah. Um, If it is a stick, and when the stick or the branch isn't attached to a tree, what happens? Landon. It falls. It falls. People can collect it. You guys are good with this story, okay? Right. It's not going to produce anything, right? Because it's going to fall and it's going to wither away and it's just going to... Yeah, other than what it's supposed to be intended to do, right? And Jesus wants us to remember to stay connected to him like the branch, Right, so that we are better and we can see, receive God's love and we can go and we can share that and pass that on to others, right? So remember that in order to bear fruit, you must be attached to the vine. Can you guys pray with me? Okay, repeat after me, all right? Dear God, thank you, God. Thank you for Jesus, thank you for Jesus. Who, invites us who invites us to connect with him and receive, and receive your gifts that we can share with others. That we can share with others. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You are welcome to go have a seat. What is this for? Let's see, Landon, if these guys know, okay? This one is for them. Thank you, sweetie. Surely, as they come back. All right. Now, how many of you, I'm not going to ask you what this is. But I'm going to ask you, how many of you remember this, right? Oh, thank goodness. I knew there would be more. I knew there would be more. Um, There was, I saw a video, maybe you have seen this too on YouTube. It's about this grandmother. Oh, I kind of need this. It's about this grandmother who is trying to share with her granddaughter about this, all right? And she's having a really hard time understanding that this is a phone and she's doing this in the video. She doesn't quite know what to do with it. And the grandmother is getting so frustrated with her and trying to say, really, you got to put your finger in it. And so she's trying to put her finger in it. Now, I watch that and I'm thinking, surely she's not that ignorant, <laughs> right? Surely she can't figure out how to put her finger in I hear a "Yeah, <laughs> We might have that. You know, but this phone, to me, doesn't really seem all that long ago. And I grew up attached to a phone as a teenager. Doesn't really sound a whole lot different than our teenagers today, does it? When I speak of being attached, I am referring to literally the phone being connected to a cord that was connected to a wall that was then connected to a line of wires remaining and wiggling their way throughout the walls of the house, to lines outside the wall, somewhere connected to a pole of wires that remain an endless line of poles strung to poles and going more than our eyes could see, right? But as a teenager on the phone, here's the cool part. The phone piece was attached to and down a cord. Now, this wasn't just any cord. This was a coil of a cord that grew longer as you walked around, right? And as you did get to walk around with the house, with the phone in your hand, you got to walk around as long as your cord could stretch. Now, that was pretty cool. So, see, we did walk around with our phone connected to our ears. And what was even cooler than that was when you were done, this cord, it would coil back up and spring together all in a neat, twisted mess. Now, I could get that thing stretched from the kitchen, clear to the sink, back over to the dining table and down the hall. And depending on where I wanted to talk without the listening ears of others, that was pretty impressive that I could move around with a phone connected to my ear. Oh, how joyous (laughs) was that act of dialing, though. Okay. You guys remember this? Okay. Especially... It wasn't too bad if you just had, what, the seven numbers, but if you lived overseas and you had 10 or 12 numbers, one, two, all the way through. It took forever to sit there and to dial the phone. But what was better, even after the dialed phone, is when you got the phone with the push buttons, right? Right, now that was trendy. Or the 3 to 10 weight calling that you got to have, ooh, to have been a part of that era. Right? Now technology has improved. My dad worked for IBM, and so therefore he was always bringing home computers. Not the kind we find in our laps today, but the big hunk of machine that was in a black suitcase that came along with two boxes that you had to pull out. And then you had to connect it to the outlet, and other cables were connected to the phone line as well. And it was somehow connected to all those crazy wires that were in that wall again. And it was called a landline. (laughs) So this computer, in order to connect to the internet, which I had no concept to what that meant at the time, had cords connected to a main source at all times, or it would not connect which still never made sense as to why your phone couldn't connect, right? And yet, if you will, Tyler, this is what you heard when you tried to connect. Literally, you're hearing this the whole time. It's it's beginning to connect. It's getting there. (laughs) <laughs> that is how it went. You remember, you remember, oh my word, that sound. It was horrible. Now today, if you were to Google sounds of Wi-Fi and what you would get coming up is called phantom Terons. Kind of sounds like white noise, so it's a little bit more peaceful. And obviously, it doesn't take quite so long to connect. You know, Wi-Fi, this unknown phenomenon by the common person Is really kind of strange where it begins and ends and somehow transfers to this box of a thing called your laptop that is small enough to fit in your lap now or even in a book um, or even on your phone that you hold in your hand and you can even snap a picture at the same time. No wires or physical connections. The Internet somehow floats around in some mystical Star Trek sort of way and the internet has gone mobile. No wires, no cords that string around the kitchen or hang in multiple places behind your desk. It's cordless, mobile, cordless, compact, small enough to fit into your pocket. Now, the last few weeks, as Tommy had mentioned, he has been doing the series called Direction, Who Am I Becoming? We looked at who we are becoming as more important than what we do. We've learned that we're not at the bottom of the slide, but we're being guided up and up an adventure, and how God leads us somewhere new or different. I don't want you to forget those messages because it's going to make sense as um, Pastor Stephanie and Tommy, Tom Lee, Tommy. Tommy. <laughs> um, we're starting a new series, and it is called the Source. It is leading us up to Pentecost. As Jesus prepares his disciples for a newer way of communicating with God and the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will not be visible in the same way like our old school computers and wires and cords to a wall, but will be the same powerful source of connecting us to God and God's direction in our lives. Now over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to start in the later part of John chapters 15 and 17. But Jesus begins to give a series of farewell addresses beginning clear back in John 13. And he knows that he will soon be lifeless on a tree and in the middle of it all, he graciously reminds his disciples and us what it looks like to be his follower. Who we are becoming. His follower, his disciple, his image for others to see. How are we doing? And how will we be paired to stay connected? To stay connected to Jesus. For the disciples, Jesus was there physically for them, connecting to them by example and time that he spent talking to them through very unique dialogues that would raise an eyebrow of attention from any one of them. He would bring up time and time again of what it looked like as disciples and followers to bring others closer and for them to connect more with the Father. He prepares them. He reassures the disciples that he will not leave them alone, and he will not leave them without a continuous connection with the Father. The source of their help will continue to be with them. The Holy Spirit, their Wi-Fi connection, mobile cordless but by no means small and always connected so like a coach who kind of knows there is one tough game out there to play and it's going to be hard and extremely challenging at times jesus encourages his disciples he speaks the truth he gives them a play-by-play of what is to come and he tells them he's going to ask for there to be a helper an advocate that will be there with them forever. And Jesus has quite the confidence, which he should, more so than in our faith and in their faith. And he is positive of a victory over the enemy. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. John 14, 1 says, trust in me. The disconnection of not understanding or perhaps not wanting to make the full connection of what really is about to happen is shown by the disciples' inquisitive questions or maybe even perhaps their ignorance of the manifestation of their own faith. Regardless of whichever way it was, Jesus assures them that even with him going away, his heart would fully be with them. He has faith even in the midst of adversity that comes before us. Jesus speaks with assurance and command. Arise. Come on. We have work to do, and we must meet it head on. Come now. Let's go, he says, ready for the next step and ready for what is to come. And then Jesus automatically, he doesn't stop there. He goes into chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. This is the word of the Lord. Through the Spirit, Jesus and the Father would come and make their dwelling place within the believer. Those that Jesus is speaking to in this particular passage are those who have already come to know him, the disciples, those who call him Savior. He is calling them to remain in him. For he knows the trouble ahead, the challenges that are in the midst of the daily grind of life the temptations and the lies of the Prince of Peace, as Jesus calls him. Now the disciples would have understood this imagery that Jesus was speaking of. They would have known he was saying he was the Messiah and the fulfillment of the covenant because of an Old Testament references to a vineyard. Isaiah 5, 1-7. There's also another one that they would have remembered. Isaiah 27, 2-6, it reads... Like this, in that day, sing about a fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, watch over it. I water it continually. I guard it day and night so that no one may harm it. I am not angry. If only there were briars and thorns confronting me. I would march against them in battle. I would set them all on fire. Or else let them come to me for refuge. Let them make peace with me. Yes, let them make peace with me. In days to come, Jacob will take root, Israel will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit. The image of branches dependent on the vine simply would have communicated that as disciples, they are dependent on Jesus for their very life. And they can do nothing to produce fruit generally pleasing to God by themselves. This imagery of the vine and the branches makes sense to them. So, us too should take a look and see what Jesus has for us today. Jesus refers to himself as the vine, not just any vine or simply a vine, but the vine. And this vine is planted in the vineyard, not in the ground, but lifted from the ground. When you see a grouping of grapevines in a field or even in your backyard, they're typically in a row, aren't they? They're typically supported by a trellis or a wire to give it support and stability. And there is also great care in producing a vineyard of bountiful fruit and the precious vine that has been planted with a distinct purpose to cultivate and to help bring the fruit nourishment The word was made flesh to cultivate and bring forth fruit for all generations to come. Now the vine, as you know, is a spreading plant, right? And Christ will be known as salvation to the ends of the earth, spreading like a vine. God's word to all. And all the care and attention to his crop will yield in bountiful fruit for the seasons to come. God, or the vine dresser, or the gardener, however your text may say, the state of those branches that will produce fruit is said to be the attest of how well a farmer has cared for it. Ultimately, God cares for us, He is shaping and tending to us as we grow. He has one amazing vineyard. Our gardener gives attention to the areas of our lives that need help. He wants to shape us and cultivate us into all that he desires us to be. We, then, are the branches of the vine as believers. Branches that remain attached to and dependent on the vine to dwell with or remain to receive nourishment and growth. As branches, we cannot bear fruit by ourselves. We must dwell or remain on the branch in order to grow. We depend on the vine or we begin to dry out, brown, crumble, break, eventually perish. Now I like to garden some things. I grew up when visiting my grandparents helping in the garden, pulling the weeds and pulling the green beans and sitting and snapping them and shucking the corn, etc. So is. There is that part of me that understands the importance of planting, growing, and harvesting food, and the respect that I have for those of you who have a farm or a ranch, who even have large gardens. I really admire that, for I really don't have those skills or patience to tend to a garden. But we do have a grapevine that has been at our house since we bought it. So thinking, of course, when the children were young, when we bought the house, how fun it would be to grow our own grapes. Make grape juice, grape jelly, grape this or that. I didn't realize the great care it takes to produce a bountiful cluster of small grapes. I had to learn that there were times I had to cut off the cute little budding branches with the flowers in order to produce some really good grapes or yet to cut away the large green leaves that I really enjoyed, because honestly they covered up the unworked the weedy part of the yard (laughs) that I really didn't want to attend to. It was painful. But when you don't do any pruning or cutting away these grapevines go crazy and they grow pretty wild as I'm sure some of you know. And it doesn't take much to get them going or keep growing and attaching themselves to anything. Those little finger-like things, right, called the tendrils, can be evil in nature as they wrap themselves around anything. I mean anything. Ours began grabbing onto the cherry bush next to it, close by, and it was pulling its branches completely over to the side. Well, I began to feel sorry for the cherry bush, you know, and wanted to rescue it from the crazy fingers of that vine. So those mighty branches and tendrils of fingers were cut back so that cherry bush could survive. And any decent gardener will tell you, regardless of the plant, there are vines and branches that need to be pruned back and weeds that need to be pulled in order for the healthy fruit to grow. Jesus spoke of continued cleansing of the branches in verse 3. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. The disciples would have recalled earlier, not too long before this, for us it's in chapter 13, that when Jesus came up to them with a basin of water and he took off his outer garment and he wrapped a towel around his waist, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash their feet. Unless I wash you, You have no part with me. They, of course, questioned him, you know. And Jesus replied, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. As disciples, as Christ followers, we as Christians, yes, we have been washed and cleaned by the blood of the Lamb, but we still need a good wash, a pruning of things that are dirty and do not produce the best of fruit. To be more like Christ. Verse 4 in the English Standard Version, it reads Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, in a majority of translations, the word abide might be used like remain, live in, take care of, to dwell. And the dictionary defines it as accept or act in accordance with a rule, decision, recommendation. Abide in me as I also abide in you. Now, I don't know what word stands out to you more in your translations, but when I read abide in me, I will abide in you, there comes across something a bit more meaningful and deeper to me. Now, Pastor Stephanie can give you a whole meaning and understanding on the word abide. She's really good at that. But as I studied and looked over some notes, I came to an understanding, an appreciation of it as a mutual dwelling place. Jesus is committed to abide with me, remain with me, endure with me. But he doesn't stop there. He's inviting me to respond to him, to abide, remain, endure with him. And it is this mutual indwelling that empowers me to live more into his ultimate purpose, to bear fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. So... By abiding in him, keeping close, receiving all the good stuff, I'm going to produce good fruit. Simple. I can do that. Check. Job is done. Well, wait a minute. What does this look like to produce good fruit? I produce grapes on my grapevine that were small and still considered fruit. Good enough for the birds to eat, but they weren't good enough to make jelly with. So what is this healthy fruit to look like exactly? Well, Galatians 5.22 gives us a pretty good indication. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. To bear fruit simply means to grow in character. To become more like Christ and reflect the fruit of the Spirit. For the healthy fruit to grow, so too our relationship with Christ must grow. Our source for living a life that God so ever intended us to have. It is grounded, it is rooted, it is found in the main vine, Jesus. And our character is to be shaped by the one who desires to see us flourish. We need to grow. We need to be pruned of the things that take us away in a different direction than that of God. For God is all those things, loving, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled, right? And Jesus reminds us, this is the direction I would like for you to go. Trust me. What more can we do? Pray, read the Bible, go to church, confess our sins being good these are all good things, don't get me wrong. Absolutely nothing wrong with them. We should be doing those things. By abiding, we are talking about taking on the characters of Jesus. It is not the things we do, but who we are becoming. It is those intersection moments and pivots that cause us to pause and think about what we are doing or who are we becoming. We stop and we reflect. Sound like a reference to a series we just did? All those things are possible with the help of the Holy Spirit. In order to abide in the vine, we must do something first. 1 John 4, 15. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Confess him as your Lord and Savior. It says, upon doing so, he will live in you. The vine is attached to the branch. Further back in fifteen, if anyone does not abide in me, you are like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Ouch. That's some pretty harsh words to kind of take in, right? Now I have a friend who I would call a plant killer. She will purchase plants and try to care for them, but she often forgets to water them and choking them from their needed nourishments. Obviously, right, you would think. And then somehow she goes in one day, and to her surprise, it is withered away. Now, this doesn't happen overnight, my friends. It happens after a series of neglect and not checking on the plant. So one by one, the leaves begin to turn color. The soil begins to dry out. The branches, without the nutrients, begin to fall off the plant. This is what I think Jesus is explaining to us in those verses 4 through 6. By not abiding in him, we are like those pitiful plants of my friend. Our roots need proper nourishment and care. And without that, we never truly are planted in a healthy, vibrant way. The fruit of the vine is proof of our faith. Not perfection, but fruit, even if it's a small bud. So if you have been on the vine for quite some time as a branch, how is your fruit? Perhaps your new branch, you're a new branch, a new believer in Christ. How is the fruit? Let me reassure you. Let us, the rest of the branches, your friends and your family and congregation here, give you encouragement and share in the growing process. Keep attentive to Him, be filled with the Word, and you will flourish. In due time, you will flourish. Maybe you're beginning to recognize your branches are a bit brittle or dry. You might need some more water and nourishment from our Lord and Savior. It's okay. God is good. And if we are recognizing we are drying up, man, please go get some water. You know, if you miss it and want it, go seek it. Receive the nourishment and water that can fill you back up. And soon you will begin to see the strength in your branch. And soon the buds begin to blossom again. I've been there, still attached to the branch. Just not receiving the joy and the comfort of being filled with the water of the word. In order to receive some of that nourishment and water, some pruning had to be done. Okay, I had to see past those big leaves and look at the unattended part of the yard. By him pruning the ugly away from me, it did two th- three things. It rids me of the things that cause me to go a different direction. And two, it shapes me to be more into the likeness of Christ. And three, it keeps me from throwing all of my effort, all those nutrients into something that just won't grow as well. But what a reassurance, though, that I can't, don't have to live this life alone trying to make all things right and fix things by myself. In fact, as a follower of Jesus, I can't do any of those things on my own. I don't mind taking control of certain things. Let me tell you, there are things I don't want control of or even have control of. And if I do, I want it to be under his direction and not my own. People can often be resistant to the pruning of their lives due to multiple things. But perhaps I think one of the most Top ones would be the vulnerability of exposing themselves. It's probably the hardest. And sometimes there is physical marks left behind from pruning the branch. But let me reassure you. The birth of a new bud and future bountiful fruit outweighs that mark left behind. And if this helps with the pruning imagery, okay, the gardener, God, never cuts off the entire branch Rather, just enough for the branch to produce more fruit. For if the branch was to be cut off entirely, bearing fruit would not even be an option. So as we continue to remain in union with the Spirit, we would know Jesus better and begin to reflect the fruit of his character. Think about this. He, Jesus, has already made his home in you. And now he invites you to make your home in him. As Jesus demonstrated the washing of their feet, becoming more like them, him rather, he gathered them at another time and he commanded his disciples to partake of some bread and wine. Emblems that he explained as his broken body and shed blood. And as we have read today with the vine and the branches, we are reminded that Christ is here. Christ is at home in us, and he wants so much more for us. And as we have communion together, may it be another reflection for you to know that Christ is here not only within you, but here as a body of believers that he has invited you. It's by no coincidence that you are here today for whatever reason. And this is his table. It is set before us. And as our pastors and our worship team come up to prepare the elements, we invite you to come and partake of the elements as well. You will come up the center aisles and gluten-free will be here in the middle. Let us draw near and by faith partake of the life of Jesus. Let us remember the death and passion of our Lord. Also a token of his coming again. May we not forget that we are one in Christ at the table of the Lord. We are reminded on that same night Jesus was betrayed. He took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave some to his disciples, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he gave it to them, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Come, let us partake with him. We want and need to stay connected to the source. For reasons that go beyond just being saved from sin and death, we want to be saved for something. And being connected to the source is just is not just hope of connection to God someday, but his rather connection to the source right now, today, this very minute. This source travels with us like our phones in our back pockets held tightly to our hands. It is interwoven within us like the branch on the vine. The Holy Spirit directly connects us to our Father God who shapes us and prunes us as needed to be all that he desires us to be. Let us pray. Jesus, the one true vine, Search our hearts and show us, Lord, perhaps where we are needing some pruning. Be gentle. Cultivate us into strong branches that flourish for your kingdom. Let us not wither, but flourish as we abide always in you. Your wonderful name, amen. May you stand for the benediction and receive this. So that you may go with confidence that the Father is with you and he continues to be fruit bearers. Go in action and go in peace. God bless.